Hi, welcome to the Beacon Hill Report with uh, Senator Joan Lovely. I'm your host, Walt Kosmowski. Senator Lovely, it's always nice to have you here in the studio. Thank you. It's great to be back. <laughs> well, uh, as the first order of business, something that is going on right now actively is the state budget. And uh, just so our viewers understand, we're talking now about the state budget fiscal year uh, 2019, because right now we're in 2018. And as most people know or should know, the state budget goes from July 1st to June 30th. Correct. So, so we're sitting here May 1st, 2018. So the current budget, 18, is going for another two months. Correct. That's correct. So, so let's talk about the FY19 budget, will be, which will be starting uh, July 1st. So kind of give us an update. Where do we stand on the FY19 state budget? So just for a little history, the governor submits his budget uh, at the end of January. That is called House 1 in the first year of our session. We are in the second year of our sessions, so it's called House 2. Right. So the governor submitted House 2 back at the end of January, where that went over to House Ways and Means, and they have had a couple of months to work on their House budget. They actually just passed the House budget last week, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. They took a whole week uh, to do the budget, 10-hour days, over a course of four days. And uh, the House passed their budget, uh, and now the budget has come to the Senate, although the Senate has actually had the budget since the end of January. We've been working on, on the Senate budget as well. But we will now take the governor budget, the House budget. We will put together the Senate budget. We are actually will we'll be done with that process at the end of this week. Mm -hmm. And in two weeks, we will take up the budget. We will also do 10-hour days over the course of four days. Uh, to pass the Senate budget. Uh, that has to take place just before Memorial Day. And then it will go into conference committee. All three budgets will go into conference committee. I'm actually was, uh, was appointed as vice chair of Ways and Means. Congratulations. Uh, this, yes, thank you. So I will be on that conference committee uh, okay. this year, which I'm really excited, looking forward to. Yeah. Now, have, have the members of these committees and, and uh, folks like yourself been going out into the community to meet with, uh, with uh, folks uh, out in the community at various sites? Tell us about that. That's correct. So when the, when the governor released his budget, uh, both House and Senate Ways and Means, the joint committee, uh, went all across the Commonwealth. I want to say there were eight or nine uh, public hearings all across the Commonwealth. We actually had one right in Peabody, Peabody City Hall, that both myself and Representative Walsh Rep right. Peabody, mm -hmm. uh, that we presented. And uh, it's a great way to get um, government right into people's, you know, into their, your communities. People can come um, and tell us what, what's on their minds. It was really great. So that process was completed. Now the House has completed their budget. Senate will complete our budget this month, conference committee. And by law, by Constitution, we have to have a balanced budget passed by June 30th. By June 30th. Now, when you said, just for our viewers and for my information as well, when you said House 1, that, that every year uh, the bills that come before you as a legislative body are, are start with number one. Is that right? Is that why they call it House 1? Yes, and that's the governor. The governor gets that number that one. That number one. So that's the correct. first bill of every year yes. is always the governor's the budget. The governor's budget. The governor's budget. That's okay. correct. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, I let, let's talk a little bit about you. You are chairing um, a committee now that is charged with reviewing uh, sexual harassment policies in the Senate. And this is not something that, of course, in our national consciousness now has just has just uh, is really taken hold and has a lot of visibility. Tell us about that process and tell us how that's going. So that's a result of the 
the hashtag Me Too movement. Right. You know, that we've seen a lot of celebrities uh, come forward for, with, you know, inappropriate uh, sexual harassment. Um, sexual harassment is inappropriate under, under any levels. And so the state house is not immune to that as well. And there was uh, allegations of sexual harassment um, in the Senate, uh, in the state house, um, back in December with our Senate, with our then Senate president, actually his husband. Right. Um, and that there, there's kind of two ongoing processes right now. One is uh, an independent ethics uh, investigation of Senate uh, Senator Rosenberg, mm-hmm. and um, and then we are also taking a look at our sexual harassment policy. Um, the Senate has a very strong uh, zero-tolerance sexual harassment policy. We go through um, trainings at each session. Our staff goes through trainings. But we did no- notice that we had some holes, some mm-hmm. gaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, we have a very robust internship program in the Statehouse, and interns were not included um, in this training. We also have a lot of advocates and lobbyists that come into the Statehouse to do business. Um, they were not aware of this uh, zero-tolerance sexual harassment policy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the new Senate president, um, Senate Harriet Chandler, uh, charged uh, me as the chair and put together a commission uh, committee of senators and staff to review our current policy, see where the gaps are, and we're going to make recommendations on how to strengthen that, that already good, good policy, but obviously we've, we have gaps in it. Um, one thing that we're going to do is uh, do a, what they call a business climate survey. We actually had UMass Lowell come in mm-hmm. and advise us on doing a survey to get the, the climate of the people that work in the building, right. um, not just senators and, and, you know, and representatives, but staff members ah, and interns. Okay. How is everyone feeling about this? Do they feel protected? Do they understand uh, the reporting um, recommendations um, should they in- encounter some type of harassment. So we really want to make it very strong and know that people should feel protected when they walk inside the state house. No harassment zone, right? The, no, the whole that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now, the policies that you may come up with, is that something that then will automatically be put into place, or does this have to be uh, proposed as legislature? or? Uh, well, so because we already have a good legislation, policy, yeah, and because we already have a good policy in place, we are making recommendations to, uh, to enhance our policy. So okay. uh, what I envision is a committee to be put together, um, which we really do need the advice of counsel, you know, some employment lawyers, uh, to be able to write the appropriate language that would go into the policy, again, to strengthen it. Right. So that's what I see going forward. Yeah. Okay. Now, the the Senate has been busy uh, legislatively here yes. recently, in recent months. Give us, uh, for our viewers, uh, an idea of what kind of, uh, you know, what are the highlights of some of the bills that have uh, that have passed through the Senate? You know, we've been working on, uh, we've just passed a couple of really great bills. Um, one is a student loan protection bill. Okay. So, you know, we, I mean, I still have student loans from law school. <laughs> I do. It's <laughs> taking forever to pay those off. Um, but we we uh, unanimously adopted at Senate uh, 2380 an act establishing a student loan bill of rights. And what it does is that it creates an ombudsman um, office in the office of the attorney general uh, who is charged with making sure that any loan servicers that are doing business in Massachusetts are following our banking laws. Uh, that's that, that, that's the uh, regulations that they would have to come under mm-hmm. laws and regulations. Um, to make sure that um, students understand what their Bill of Rights is, are. 
um, so that they they know that they can't be, um, you know, discriminated against or, uh, you know, sometimes um, you don't know who's servicing your loan. Um, is the interest rate correct? Uh, can they charge me these extra fees? We want students to know that they can um, they have an avenue through the attorney general's office to make sure that they're being treated fairly and that these loan servicers that are doing business in Massachusetts, they have to be licensed. We mm -hmm. have to know who you are, uh, just like banks are licensed. Right. And um, and so that students, again, have that opportunity to be able to ask questions or, you know, question something that they may not think is right. right. Now, now, by and large, are student loans, uh, are, are there limits on how much students can be charged on, on student loans? You know, I believe it is a percentage. Of, they can't go over a certain percentage above your income level. I mean, you just can't tell someone, you know, here's your loan repayment and it exceeds maybe 50% of their income. Yeah. Uh, so there are, and that, that would be cumulative depending on how many loans you have. I don't have that exact figure yeah. in front of me, but yes, those protections are in place. But a lot of times, you know, when you're, when you're in school, especially when you're a young student, you're taking on student debt. You may not completely understand, yeah. you know, exactly what that means. Yeah, you're busy studying for exams you're in just, anthropology and you're not really thinking exactly. about the loan. You have your right. eye on the prize of getting that bachelor's degree or that Correct. graduate degree, yeah. whatever it might be. But as soon as you graduate, you know, yeah. within a month, there's a bill in your mailbox. And no. so you need to well, know. I know it. It happened to me. So <laughs> <laughs> All of us, right? That's, yeah. how we, that's how we finance our educations. Um, and it's necessary. Sure. But we want to make sure people are protected. Yeah, right. Now, you are also the, the Senate co-chair of the PPD Commission. And that, yes. I think mean, that's a postpartum depression, correct? Yes. We talked about this a little bit uh, on, a, on a show a, a couple of years ago. Um, share, the, the, there's going to be an awareness day coming up soon. Uh, share with our viewers what, what's happening in, in, in that area. Exactly. So on May 8th, May 8th from okay. uh, noon to 2 p.m. in the State House, we're going to have our fourth annual perinatal mental health awareness day. And that has to do with postpartum depression. So I am the Senate chair of that commission. We do great work. We work with, uh, Psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, MDs, um, obstetricians, doulas. Um, we just have this wide variety of experts yeah. that advise this commission on how to put good awareness in place for postpartum depression. Yeah. This year, we're, we're focusing on substance, substance use disorder of mothers and families. So we know that some moms are addicted to perhaps heroin. Um, and that, you know, they need, they need certain supports during a pregnancy uh, to be able to deliver a healthy baby. And what does that also look like if an infant is born with drugs in their system? What does that look like? DCF gets involved. Uh, we want to put supports into place yeah. for these mothers so that we can get them, you know, um, off of the, whatever drug it is that they're addicted to and, and again, provide supports to the family. Um, you know, we're in a crisis right now with uh, heroin and fentanyl and, and, and different drugs that are on the streets. And, um, and moms are finding themselves, you know, a pregnant woman is finding herself in that situation. So we are concentrating on what are the, the um, you know, the tools that we have in our toolbox right now to be able to help um, sure. mothers who may be addicted. Um, sure. It's really going to be a really great day. Uh, we, we do it in the Great Hall. Um, in the state house, and it's packed. 
Yeah, the Great Hall of Flags. That's right. I've been there, yeah. That's correct. Now, now in terms of PPD, you shared with us uh, some time ago that I think you have three daughters, correct? Two, two daughters and a son. And a son. Yep. And you yourself were a PPD uh, sufferer as yes. well. So you, you, you know, you come from firsthand experience. You know, looking, so my oldest is 30. And <clears throat> 30 yeah. years ago, I don't even know, I'm sure PPD was, was known. Uh, but I recall, you know, looking back now, I say to myself, wow, I think I had symptoms yeah. of postpartum depression and didn't know it. Yeah. Just did not know. And yeah. so that's why we're doing these awareness days to make more parents, new parents and families aware um, that, yes, this is it, it exists. It can go from very, very mild depression to full psychosis where sometimes a mother may yeah. take the, her life or the life of her infant. It's a real range, but it's completely curable. Yeah. It's like it, it, uh, the PTSD now, of course, you know, we, we have it documented and it's treated that way. But uh, back at the end of World War II, they didn't even have a term for it. And we've had veterans. We've talked to veterans here who came out of the service uh, uh, with what we now recognize as PTSD. And they didn't even they, they would they would be silent for 30 years and they'd have this stuff inside right. of themselves and just boiling like a right. pressure cooker. And, yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it's important to, to know what it is, to know how to treat it. And, and to get help for the various people. Oh, exactly. very good. Well, thank you for, thank you for that, uh, Senator Lovely. Thank you. Um, one thing I want to talk about now, there was a, today is uh, uh, May 1st, mm -hmm. and there was an article in the Salem News today about the opening up of the new registry of motor vehicles here on the North Shore at Route 1 uh, Danvers Crossing, the Route 1, the Danvers Crossing Mall. Tell us a little bit about that. I know it's been, I think, the old one that was in the, the uh, Liberty Tree Mall. Uh, that was closed up two years ago, I believe, over two years. And it's it taken two years. And there's just <clears throat> a lot of machinations and things that were going on. Maybe bring us up to date and, um, uh, on, on that new uh, M RMV uh, location. So that will be opening in the fall. In the, um, at the plaza where there's a Chili's out front and um, there is David's Bridal, I believe, or was there, I think maybe going in that okay. in that particular standalone building right let me let me hold you up for one second sure. i'd like to ask our control room we have a map of that intersection and this is uh this is um oh, yeah. yeah you can see there where uh the blue the, the yellow line up and down is route one and then the uh, white intersecting line is route 114 and it's not the side, it's not the east side where the car, the big Costco, Costco is. Right. It's, it's, on the, it's on the southbound, southbound side of Route 1. Exactly, but right across from Costco. So if right. you know where Costco is, right. it's, it's, right it's right across, across. Route But as far as access to, sometimes you, you, you can't get off where you want to get right. off. And people who have navigated Depending that. Depending where you're coming, north or south. Or, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so it, it, it was, uh, I guess there were some, some problems with the lease. And, and I guess they were going to, they signed a lease and we're going to move in. But then the, the. Uh, the owner of the building lost uh, the, the there was the bank a foreclosure, was foreclosure exactly uh, and that held up the signing of the lease you know a good, a good many months close to a year um, and now they have signed a lease they are doing the build out and it will go in and it should be convenient to um, to the north shore yeah um, it's been very inconvenient i've heard a lot from a lot of constituents who you know are complaining they have to go and going to wilmington right. um, or other points further boston to be able to do transactions at the registry. Yeah. So this will be much more convenience um, to our to our constituents. Yeah, and, and now you said that that would be opening around September, did you yes. say? So yep. it's going to take a while for the build-out? They'll, uh, the, they'll do the build-out, exactly. And now with Real ID, 
Um, you know, they have to equip all of these offices um, to be able to, to uh, be the real ID as well, you know, including yeah. this office. So, so right but, now it's a Chili's or was it Chili's? I uh, think the, yeah, I think the Chili's was out front. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure what was in that building, but, yeah. but plenty of parking, easily accessible. Yeah. Um, it should be great for our yeah. constituents. So, you know, the mall, the mall was great um, and they just could not. I don't know why, you know, I'm not involved in that level of negotiation. So, uh, you know, it would have been nice to keep it at the mall, but the, the mall owners and the state could not agree. Um, there was also um, an HVAC um, yeah, air quality issue. Yeah, that's what everybody yes, was right. talking about. Yeah. So um, this comes at a higher cost, although it is a different market right now, too. We're in a very robust real estate market um, with leases and rents as well. Yeah. But uh, I think the convenience to the... Uh, to the consumer, uh, yeah. we'll make it worth it. Yeah. Now, you um, talk about uh, legislative actions that have been taking place uh, in the Senate that directly affect Beverly, or how, how do they how do they affect Beverly? I know Beverly is one of five communities that you, uh, and, and tell our audience who the, the five communities that you service are or Beverly, represent. I always do it in alphabetical order. <laughs> there you go. Beverly, Danvers, Peabody, Salem, Topsfield. Okay. So tell us about some of the, uh, legis- uh, the, the actions of the legislature that will directly affect uh, the, the people here in Beverly. So the city just received a $300,000 grant um, to um, fund uh, Pete's Park. That's, yes. that's the park for Pete Frady's, mm-hmm. um, a park that exists but needs some significant upgrades, uh, especially to accommodate the disabled community. So uh, through uh, Mayor Cahill and uh, Representative Paracella, City Council, we're able to secure that, that, lo- that grant money for that park. I'm really looking forward to seeing that park be transformed in Pete's honor. Um, we've also just um, approved Chapter 90 funding for all of the Communities, and I, I'm not, I think I may have the amount here for, for Beverly. Um, it, uh, you know, Chapter 90 is very, very uh, important for communities. Explain to our uh, viewers what, what Chapter 90 is. means. Yeah. Chapter 90, so it's a program that was established in 1973 into uh, reimbursing municipalities for local transportation improvement projects. So right. most of our roadways are locally controlled. You know, you think of 95, Route 1, um, 128, 93, those are all the state highways. But roads right here in Beverly and across the district are locally controlled and maintained. And so the city uh, is responsible to, you know, to make sure they're paved correctly, you know, filling potholes, uh, plowing in the winter. Chapter 90 goes towards those capital improvements to keep our roadways in, in good condition. It's hard here in the Northeast because we do have harsh winters. Harsh winters um, yeah. You know, we get a lot of frost heaving. We, as a result, we get a lot of potholes. It's not like Florida where they don't get snow, <laughs> right? Um, so their roadways are in pretty good shape. When you go to vacation in Florida, you look at that, the roads and you go, wow, right. they're beautiful. Yep. Well, because they don't have frost heaves in the winter. So um, Beverly's allotment this year was uh, over a million dollars to okay. be able to put towards that. And it's very important that that money get released Timely, as in now, because yeah. the paving season is short. Sure. You know, it's really from April to November. Yeah. And once the, once the temperature gets, you know, too right. low, you can't pave anymore. And then you just see those, those temporary, you know, right. filling of potholes. So very important. Um, we do it over, um, you know, a, a, a one-year span. $200 million gets released across the Commonwealth 
And Beverly's allotment yeah. was, again, just over a million dollars. Yeah. Let's talk about a specific project that's going on actually close to where I live, uh, and that is uh, creating a roundabout at the exit ramp of 128 North uh, at exit 18, Essex, Essex Street. Mm -hmm. That's happening. People that go through that, it's happening there right now. And if the results are anything like what we saw here at Brimble Avenue, yep. uh, uh, that that now is just absolutely almost a joy to drive through all this. I think so too. Yeah. You know, when I'm over when I'm over there, I know how to navigate that. Yeah. Um, and it's safer. And that's yeah. that was you know that's the impetus a lot of times for putting these roundabouts in. Yeah. Is safety. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Chapter 90 money, some Chapter 90 money will go towards towards that particular uh, project? You know what? And that, and it's, that those are funded separately as well. So this yeah. Chapter 90 goes towards, you know, the, the maintenance of all of our local roadways. That's a different project which gets funded separately. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I have a little surprise for you. Um, and I like our uh, control room. Uh, to put up a photo that was taken in January of you and I. Uh, there we go. Now, uh, I will tell our audience that that was at the annual meeting in January, this past January, down in Boston, uh, of Mass Access. And Mass Access is the umbrella group that BevCam and other local access uh, stations belong to here in the state of Massachusetts. And um, we nominated you uh, to uh, to receive our Mass Access Legislator of the Year Award. And there you are with uh, with the uh, the plaque that, yes. that you were awarded that mm -hmm. night. And I I do want to say that that uh, from my standpoint, uh, you you are uh, the best friend, uh, as from a legislative standpoint, uh, that 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 mass access and that local access uh, could have. And I know that uh, we have been trying for the past several years uh, to pass legislation that would require Comcast or whoever the local yeah. um, um, cable company is to do two things for for local access. One is to broadcast us in HD, which we. Are not we have the facilities? These are HD cameras that we're using here in the studio. But they, when we send our HD signal over to Tozer Road for Comcast, they dumb it down to standard depth. So mm. that's one. And the other is the so-called electronic program guy. That with when you're sitting on your couch and you're clicking to see what's on channel five, seven, whatever, and you see Oprah, and then you see National Geographic. Well, when you look at ours, all it says is local programming, local programming, and so. We're trying to do that. And I know that there have been uh, several bills that have been introduced, and you have signed on as a co-signer of those, along yes. with our state rep, Jerry Paracella. Yes. Um, it, it, what the last effort at that, where where did that, what happened to that? Where do we stand with that? Uh, I, would, I would actually have to, you know, we just did our, our uh, <clears throat> final committee reporting um, back in February, February 7th, exactly. Um, I'm going to have to double back with you about exactly wh which direction that went. Yeah. Um, those went. Um, so let me get back to you on that. Yeah. And we, I want to make sure that they either landed in House Ways and Means or Senate Ways and Means where um, we can continue to get them to the floor for a vote. Yeah. And we, we did, um, uh, I think there were in the end 50 or 70 uh, some 
legislators that who, signed who, on. who signed on. Yeah, because you know what? Um, we understand the importance of local access right. television yeah. you know, stations and yeah. you know, the great work that you do in, the, in these communities to bring information like, like we're doing now to be able to deliver this right. to our constituencies and you know, the great programming, again, that uh, uh, you know, different um, people come on and talk about different issues. It's, uh, it's really terrific. Right. And the program that we're on right now, we share this with the other uh, four other cities and towns that you represent. And speaking right. of which, I'm going to reach behind me here. And I have something else that I would like to I'll have our cameras zoom in on that. And um, on a yearly basis, the uh, another organization that uh, BevCam belongs to, which is the Alliance for Community Media. There are there is a national alliance for community media and a uh, alliance for community media northeast region. And every year they accept nominations uh, or applications for programming in different categories. And so this program under the category Issues and Political Process, the Beacon Hill Report, uh, garnered a second place last year, November 3rd, 2017, which is when we... So I would like to present that... <laughs> Thank to, you. To you. That's wonderful. Uh, uh, yes. Well, we, it's it's uh, it's a fantastic achievement, and it, uh, as we were saying, I think it it is uh, it helps the um, the people out in the community understand what you're doing as as our representative, what's happening in the state house, and how it affects them. I mean, this is really this is grassroots democracy and re. Reporting back to your constituents, I mean, you, it couldn't get more grassroots than that. So it's terrific! You Thank can, you. I'm so proud of this. You Thank hang, you. Hang that up, Thank uh, you. Up, up in your up in your I uh, will. office when you get back to I the absolutely will. to the state house. You know what we should do, Walt? Is sometime we should have you come in with a camera crew, and we could do um, a, a whole thing a, of a little, being in the state house. A little walkthrough. Yeah, uh, no, that would that be, would be great. You could visit my office, Representative Paracella's office. Uh, so people can see where exactly where we are and then have a kind of a, like a little tour um, of the state house, the House chamber, the Senate chamber and what we do. Where Maybe action, even catch a session. Yeah, yeah, I think our viewers would really uh, I yeah. think our viewers would uh, really appreciate that. Yeah. Great. So uh, l let me just get back to uh, let's talk about how people can get in touch with you, your constituents. So uh, we're going to put up. Uh, let's see. Let's put up a phone number first. And that's 617-722-1410. And where, where does that ring? Where, what number that is that? That rings right into my Boston office, my uh, state house office. Okay. I have a staff of five yeah. uh, who uh, is in the office every day with me. Um, they're very supportive. Constituent services is one of the, probably the number one thing that we do. That's my training as a city councilor. Uh, when the phone rings and someone's on the other end, they're looking for assistance. We we help in any way That's that right. we can. Yeah, so. you spent what about eighteen years? Yeah, as fifteen. A, fifteen. Fifteen years. years. Yeah. As a as a city councilor in, in the sister city of Salem. Yes. And let's take a look now. I think we have some websites and and we have an email address. Let's take a look at the next one here. What do we have? Okay, so this is Joan Lovely at MassSenate.gov. Right. That's email. So that's, if that's a good way to communicate um, and there's Facebook. 
Yeah. And we have a Facebook page, and a lot of people communicate through Facebook, through messaging. Yeah. Um, it's pretty popular. Yeah, they do. Even, even among the older folks, that not necessarily. Yeah, they, yeah just, yeah. you know, you know what, that's a good way to, to communicate, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And now you are also, uh, and then a Twitter, yes. at S-E-N Joan Lovely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, We're on Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. Another good way to, to communicate with people. Um, a, a preferred method for a lot of lot of folks. Yeah. Now you also have office hours here in Beverly. So tell us about. Uh, it's the first Monday of each month yes. uh, from nine to ten, and you alternate. Tell us about that. You alternate between the senior center and the Atomic Cafe. We do. So one month uh, we'll be at the senior center from nine to ten a.m. The following month, that first Monday, we'll be at the Atomic Cafe from nine to ten a.m. Those go in a newsletter that I put out monthly. If anybody would like to sign up for the newsletter, just shoot us an email. Right. And uh, we'll sign you up for the newsletter. I just had one that go out today for uh, the month of May. Yeah, I saw that. And, um, and those have all of our office hours in all the communities um, and where we are. And um, although if somebody can't make an office hour um, meeting at that, that designated time, let us know. We are, you know, I'm I'm very flexible. I'll come to your living room. I'll meet you in another coffee shop. I'll meet you on a Saturday. Uh, I want to be able to accommodate people's schedules. Yeah. And I would like to uh, ask people or tell people that if you do want to get that newsletter, I, I, I subscribe to that newsletter. It's very it's very handy uh, and, and it's very informative and, and lets people know what's uh, what is going on. It's an electronic newsletter that we put out and uh, it tells, you know, what what happened the previous month, what legislation we passed, what we've been working on. Again, office hours. Uh, shows what we've done in the district. Um, it's really nice if somebody doesn't have, uh, can't, you know, subscribe to it by email, we'll print it out and mail them a copy. Fantastic. Yes. Well, Senator Lovely, thank you very much for being with us here in the studio. Thank you. As always. And I'd like to remind our viewers that you have been watching the Beacon Hill Report with Senator Joan Lovely. I'm your host, Walt Kosmowski, and we'll see you next time.